everybody thinks the point that wins the game is the most important, but it's really the setup point, which is the point before. And it's just like that in business. You know, people just think winning the deal is everything, but it's about how you get there and how do you set it up in order to win the deal. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today, we have Jason Swink, who shows digital agency owners how to double their business through setting up the right systems. Jason has run a successful agency for 12 years until selling it, and he now has the number one resource for agency owners that want to scale and grow their business. Jason actually helps me himself, and I think he has a wonderful model. Jason, how's it going? Hey, thanks a lot. Well, I want to clarify, I'm the number one resource in the world for agency owners there you go. voted by my wife and kids. cool man well jason why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do yeah so well i'm a husband and father first and uh for i guess in 1999 i started an agency i guess back then it was a a web shop and we designed websites and for a number of different years uh, we designed websites and then we started transitioning to a digital agency and i was lucky enough a couple years ago to position it to sell it and sold it try to figure out what to do next. And now I help digital agency owners like yourself. And I love it. Great. And how much did you end up selling that business for? Well, I'll tell you the valuation of the company was over 20. And then um, I got a lot in cash. And then uh, the rest was in earn out that we never saw. <laughs> got it. <laughs> so how does that work exactly? The, the earn out that you never saw? Can you talk about that? Yeah, so a lot of people don't know this, right? So when people go to sell a company, they will kind of go through like a letter of intent. And basically the letter of intent will basically tell you what they value your company for. And then you have to kind of decide, is that a price that I'm willing to take? And then they'll break that up into a number of different ways. Equity in the new company, earn out, which is basically paid for performance over a certain time period that is really hard to hit because you don't control everything. You're not the captain anymore. And then the other part is cash up front. And so I always tell people, be happy with the cash you get up front, and, uh, and then you can go from there. So, and just anticipate you not getting in or out. <laughs> okay. I mean, just to give people some context here, if they have a service-based business, I mean, what type of targets do they expect you to hit? Well, it was always kind of like when they'll start going through the due diligence, they'll ask you, say, um, well, then they'll start doing the calculations. They'll say, all right, if we bolt 2 plus 2 together, it should equal 8. And they'll say, all right, you were on a runway to hit $15 million, so with us adding uh, you know, our services to it, you should be on a path to hitting $20 million. And then they'll say, all right, well, that's worth this to us. And so they'll start paying you, you know, out of the two years or in the event that the agency sold again, which it was in nine months later. Mm, okay. 
Makes sense. And why did you decide to start the, let's just call it the smart agency uh, consulting business? Yeah. So uh, why I started the podcast was I kind of got pulled back into this. You know, when I sold the agency, I didn't know what I wanted to do next because I did it for 12 years. I mean, that's all I knew. And so I thought the grass was greener on the other side, uh, like every kind of entrepreneur. And it was like, well, I did services for so long, so I need to create this product. So I started creating this iPhone app that took pictures of everything that you ate and gives you a visualization. But I hated it, and I didn't do it. And so uh, I quickly shut that off. And then I worked for someone for about a year as the chief innovation officer for a big uh, financial technology company and didn't like that. And because, you know, once you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of like unemployable because you think everybody, no one is as smart as you for some odd reason. (laughs) And uh, literally at that time, I had a bunch of old competitors start reaching out to me, asking me, you know, how did we land these big accounts? How did we, you know, build the systems? How do we position the agency to be sold, you know, for, you know, the money it did? And then um, I started helping them out for free and I loved it. And my wife told me uh, I should create a business out of it. And I did, and I'm so glad I listened to my wife. (laughs) Wonderful. And how's the business going today in terms of revenues, customers, and things like that? Yeah, so um, I've helped over a 1,000 agency owners around the world. People have bought my stuff in over 23 countries from last I counted. It was kind of funny. um, I asked um, Stacy, who works for me, I said, how many countries have we worked in? And she did the, the numbers and all that kind of stuff and came back with like 223. I'm like, my God, really? And I was like, there's not even 223 countries. And she's like, oh, I didn't mean to put a two. That was a typo. And uh, the business is over seven figures, which is incredible. You know, I always tell people, do something that you really, truly love and not worry about money. I I was very fortunate when I sold the agency. I didn't really have to worry about money, you know, making a decision based on money anymore. And when I started doing that, then everything else I started touching kept growing faster than it should because I was making decisions on what I loved and what I knew versus making money. I think that's a, a big mistake a lot of people don't do. Okay. And what's the breakdown of your, your service offerings? Yeah, so it's literally about 60% is on programs, like uh, you know online courses, do-it-yourself programs, templates, that kind of stuff. And then the other 40% is broken out in a couple different ways from mastermind groups to private one-on-one coaching to, you know, kind of speaking gigs and stuff like that. Okay. All right. And I mean, how did you go about acquiring your first few customers for, you know, this new business? Well, I actually started taking on -on one-on-one clients first. So as the old competitors started coming to me, I, I was helping out for free and they were having huge results. And then I basically said, you know, hey, you know, I can't do this for free anymore. I charge X. And uh, they said, yeah, okay, cool. And so as I started doing that, I loved it. And I was like, well, I want to help more people out. And so then I started creating and, and basically reverse engineering what made me successful at the agency and created a program. And then also as I was working with kind of my private one-on-one clients, I'm like, oh, we did this cool thing, so let's kind of put this in the program. And so that's kind of how I started transitioning to the do-it-yourself programs. And then the cool thing is, is you know, a lot of people talk about on on in this space is you can just do this for you know the, the passive income, but you can do that for so long, but then you're going to become irrelevant. And that's why I always take on you know private clients. 
um, and, and mastermind groups and that kind of stuff, just so you can stay relevant and and keep making your programs better and better. Because I think we've all seen people kind of rise to the top, and then you're like, where'd they go? <laughs> right. Okay. No, when service businesses come to you, I mean, agencies come to you, what, what are the typical problems that you see? Oh, man. The biggest thing is, is we all get into business by accident. So like when I originally started my agency, you know, I designed a website making fun of one of my friends because he looked like Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. So I called it in shit. And so I got it all these websites requests. And but I didn't have a plan of where I wanted to go. I didn't have that clarity. I didn't have that plan of what to say no to. And so one of the biggest problems I feel is is people know how to do something good and then someone offers you money and then you realize you can do a business from it. But then you keep going at it without a plan. So you're saying yes to everything and you, you don't have that clarity. Then the other thing is, is having a specialization. I think that is the second biggest mistake people make is not having that specialization and they say they serve everybody. Now, when I tell people that, I tell you're only marketing to a, a certain specialization and you start out there and then you can go broader. But those are really the, the two. And then the other part on the service-based business or probably any kind of business, it's around building up your lead generation and generating leads. Obviously, you don't have that problem, but most everybody else does have that problem on lead generation. And they're going about it the wrong way because they're not helping or, or they're not capturing your information the right way. What are some tips you can give around capturing information the right way? Because I know you do a lot of stuff in terms of segmentation and things like that. Yeah. yeah, it's all about knowing your audience, knowing your audience's biggest challenge or desire and giving your best content to them, helping them out. You know, I was talking to a client the other day and I was saying, look, he's like, well, I don't know what to write about. And they just started writing a, a boring blog that was just to like Jane Doe. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. What does Jane like? What does she want? And I was like, once we know the person we're targeting, why don't we do something like, I mean, this is kind of what I do and Gary Vee does and, and, and a lot of people is go out and solicit people for questions. But let's say people don't know you exist. So you put like on Twitter and you're like, what's your biggest challenge? I'll solve it and no one answers it. Well, you can go to sites like Quora. You can go to Facebook communities, LinkedIn communities, find out what people are asking and then literally record yourself you know, on like a, a camera and put it on YouTube, extract out the audio, create a podcast from it, and then have a call to action on that. And then you can basically capture all this information after you provide them value. You know, that's, that's one of the easiest ways. Or, you know, one of the ones, um, you know, I was talking to Tim Page about this is that he always jokes around on his webinars where, um, you know, they created this ebook. Everybody thinks you have to create an ebook, and I think ebooks suck because. They're good for leads, but no one's going to digest them. Literally, you can come up with the top tools every, the top tools for your industry, and then list them out and just give that away as an opt-in to capture information. And then, you know, what I do is I take them through what I call kind of my my campaign that's broken out into milestones. And you know, what I'm doing is I'm figuring out how they're engaging with me and then I'm serving up content based on what I know about them of how they engage with me or you know what I know about them. So if I know they're an agency owner and they're under 300,000 in revenue, I'm not going to send them to a mastermind campaign. Or if they're a freelancer, they're not going to, you know, get access to, you know, speak to me directly, right? So, you know, it's all about knowing your audience and capturing it. Okay. And what tools do you use for this type of segmentation and automation? Yeah, so I use Infusionsoft. 
for all my automation. And then one of the things that no one's really doing other than the people that I tell now, it's called progressive profiling thank you pages. And what I was doing before, and this is what a lot of people do, is they have a campaign and after someone goes through a campaign or after a couple months they're on your list, you literally send out like an email saying, hey, which one best describes you so I can serve you better content, right? And so like the response rate from that sucks. It's like 5%, maybe 10% on a good day. And so I was like, there's got to be a better way. And so what I started doing is is on my thank you pages of my opt-ins, I started asking one question. And so I basically said, hey, are you an agency owner? Are you a freelancer, marketing professional, entrepreneur? And they started filling it out. And then I said, well, let me do it one more question. And I asked them their uh, revenue for their company. And so as they're selecting this, they're tagged. And then after they select the second one, they actually go to a thank you page where it gives them an offer of something else, like a tripwire of like what Ryan and the digital marker guys say, or what I call a foot in the door, right? Now, you're probably thinking, everybody listening, they're like, well, what's the percentage of people going through this? 94%. 94. And I started thinking about it. I was like, well, why are they all doing this? And it's all because they think they need to do it in order to get what they opted in for. And when someone opts in, they already did something that you want. So ask them to do something else. And I wish I learned that <laughs> back in college, right? But, you know, it's just you keep, keep them going and they'll keep doing whatever you want. And then now I know way more about them. I know if it's a good lead or not because a lot of people – you will put in kind of their Gmail or Hotmail or AOL if AOL still exists, right? And then uh, you can kind of say, well, they are an agency owner. They just gave me a crappy email probably to test me out. Right. And I think it's one, one thing that's really important to understand right here is that you know, the way the setup you have right now is if somebody opts in, then it'll ask them the questions, then it'll take them to what they opted in for versus what I have right now. You know, They'll opt in and it'll take them to the thank you page and then they have links to click. Yours is a little different, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, so many people have a thank you page that just says thank you. <laughs> like, you just wasted the biggest opportunity you probably have with them. Right. Okay. Well, tell us about one struggle you faced, one big struggle you faced while growing this business. One struggle. One struggle. Being able to, let's see, I mean, that's a, a wonderful question. I would probably say, like, when I first started, I thought it was just a volumes game. Right? I thought the more content I put out there, the, the better I would do. Okay? Because the search engines would rank it, more people would see it. And then I literally was like, well, how do I get this out to even more people? And so I just started producing more and more content. But what I quickly realized is it's about quality, not quantity. And that was the biggest struggle that I can think of when I started. So what I did a couple weeks ago is I actually started deleting content. I literally, I, and I counted out the things, I deleted 30% of my content off my site. I mean, some of the videos I had looked like I was an Afghanistan hostage. <laughs> I mean, it was horrible. I was, I was embarrassed. And I, we recently redesigned the site a couple months ago, and I basically broke it up into four categories. I don't know if you want to go down this way, or, um, but I, I basically broke it up into four categories that you guys can do. The content that I was going to keep, content that I would kind of consolidate. So like I found a lot of blog posts and, and articles that we wrote that we could kind of combine and make a lot better and fresher and reuse it. And then uh, we had content that we would like to update 
right? Update for the search engines, update for the different things. So we started breaking out of those categories and we started following kind of the model that like HubSpot and Moz and a couple of those guys did. And they've actually seen a huge increase in their website traffic because now their content's more relevant. Like I was finding when I was deleting content, there were some posts that we had out for, you know, um, positions that we, we, we already filled already that we could get rid of or strategies that just don't work anymore. Like if there was, you know, something that was just old, like we talked about this old technology that didn't exist, well, why have it? And so that's one of the, the big things is just making sure that everything we do is quality versus just quantity. Okay. I think what really makes sense here too, I mean, you look at, I look at Pat Flynn's podcast where he talks to somebody about deleting 30% of their content and they tripled their traffic. So if you, well, we'll leave that in the show notes as well, but we're actually putting a blog post together on that now to, to actually on, on how to do it. And it seems like an oxymoron to begin with, like deleting content actually increases traffic, but you are in effect building a better user experience, which is what you're doing. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. If you, if you send someone to just you know, kind of crap content, you know, it's just they're going to get the expectations that you do crap versus sending someone to your best stuff. And then also, too, if, if you send someone to something irrelevant and then they jump off, Google's probably going to ding you a little bit for that as well. Mm-hmm. True. So what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25-year-old self? Don't make decisions based on money. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, so many people pick a particular market to go after based on money versus what they truly know the best or what they really love to do. So, I used to think people that would say that were kind of like full of crap because I was like, well, you already have money. It's easy for you to do that. But it really kind of, but there's a select few that are able to get there a lot quicker. Like, I mean, even by doing this business, this business has grown so quick. I mean, this is a seven figure business that. You know, I built really quick, but it took a lot of struggles in the, the prior years in order to do that. But in this one, I wasn't making decisions based on money. I was just making decisions based on what I loved and what I knew better than anything else. And that's why it's grown so quick. And so when I talk to a lot of clients or agency owners or, or whoever, they're like, well, we want to build a, this, this software tool that does X because we want to sell it in five years and make $100 million like you know, Pardot did. And I'm like, but you're going about it all the wrong way. Figure out what you know the best and what you love doing and do that and everything else will follow. I mean, I, I know people that have worked with people that, um, and they did extremely well. It was over a million-dollar business. They, did, uh, they trained stuntmen for Power Rangers. I mean, who picks that? But obviously, they dominated that niche, right? <laughs> I love it. How, do you know how much revenues they did? Over a million. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Stupid, right? But they, obviously, they didn't get into it thinking about the money. They they got into it because it's they knew Power Rangers, I guess, right? So <laughs> makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, what's one productivity hack you can share with everyone? You know, I love using a calendar software for really kind of booking out my day. So whenever anybody books with me, and I think you do the same thing as well, is I have segments in my day where that's the only thing that I do. And so I just stick to that calendar. Other things that I do would be um, recording my thoughts. I just started using Anchor. Ah, uh, great. Right? And I'm going to start using this with my team as well as just reaching out my audience. So I'm a horrible writer, 
like my Miss Rausch's fifth grade English class uh, did no good for me. But I can speak really well and come up with ideas, and then I have my, my team kind of do the show notes and all that kind of stuff. So I guess the best productivity hack I can tell you is record that. And then you might be able to turn that into multi-purpose and everybody kind of follow along with what you're doing. But Anchor is a pretty cool thing. It's like Twitter for audio. Right. I love it. I think it's great, especially for people that do podcasts. And a lot of people are getting into podcasts now, too. And you can actually engage with people that, that you like and want to talk to. So I think that's something that's that there's not anything out there like it right now. So great tip on that. What's one must-read book you recommend to everyone? It's not a business book. It doesn't have to be. It's a tennis book. And it's um, Winning Ugly by Brad Gilbert. And it, the basic premise of it is, if you know anything about tennis, like you go, you know, fifteen, thirty, forty, and then you know, add, and then uh, then game. Everybody thinks the point that wins the game is the most important, but it's really the setup point, which is the point before. And it's just like that in business. You know, people just think winning the deal is everything, but it's about how you get there and how do you set it up in order to win the deal. Because if you don't set it up right, you're never going to win the deal. If you set it up right, you're actually win more deals and, and, and be in front of more people. Right. Okay. Love that book. Never heard of it, actually. We'll drop it in the show notes. But I want to dive into one more thing about uh, customer acquisition. So, you know, I heard of you through your podcast. And I, I guess my question right now, I'm framing it, is what's one unique thing you're doing right now to acquire more customers? It seems like podcasts are working for you. What else is working? Facebook ads. Facebook ads. Yeah, Facebook marketing is the most powerful marketing tool in the world right now. For, for right now, mm-hmm. it's so game changing because of the targeting that you can do, and then all the other technology that works with it. So, one of the most powerful things outside of them just targeting is your ability to create custom audiences. So, let's say I have a campaign and I have and I've broken my campaign out into four milestones, all right? And someone's in milestone number two, and I'm relying solely on my email marketing in order to reach that person. Well. I'm only going to reach 20%, right? That's usually the typical opt-in if you, on a good day. But what I'm doing is I'm creating custom audiences in Facebook on the fly through my campaigns that are marketing that same content I want to reach them on Facebook that they're engaging with. Love it. Yep. There's so much. I mean, you're doing a great job with Facebook. A lot. I think a lot of people are going to start getting better soon for sure. So it's something to take advantage of. But Jason, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? You know, just go to my website, jasonswank.com, and Swank is spelled S-W-E-N-K, not A. I don't own in the magazine, and I'm not related to Hillary. <laughs> awesome, man. Jason Swank, make sure you check his stuff out, especially if you own an agency. I can tell you, you know, I work with him, and, you know, the relationship has been great. Thanks so much, Jason. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.